You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. Anyways, this is Pentecost Sunday. This is an incredible day that the church uh, is gets to celebrate and, and commemorate and rejoice in. And I remember, uh, I want to give a little shout out to Reverend Belly Richards from Queensway. It was in January, uh, around the 18th, third Sunday in uh, January when we were just beginning our sabbatical. We went down to Queensway and he was talking about the work of the Holy Spirit and it just kind of reintegrated and, and, and motivated me, inspired me a little bit. And I knew that at some point in time, and it usually Pentecost Sunday, I want to talk to you about the coming of Pentecost and the importance of it. It's always been something that's really been part of my life, my, my heart, all through the years of my Christian life. And I'll share a little bit about it. But I think it has a place and it has a connection to the fire orchard. I mean, God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. I'm calling it, for lack of better terms, this past month, the fire orchard. It was the Garden of Eden. It was a big place. It had all the fruit trees and all the beautiful trees. And tree of life was there and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Everything man was given to eat except for that one tree, which he disobeyed. And he ate of that and he was removed from the fruit uh, from the Garden of Eden or our fire orchard. And it wasn't until Jesus came and died for us that we were able to enter in again to that fellowship that we were lost at the Garden of Eden. It was that time that was lost, but we have this opportunity to once again enter into the Garden of Eden, so to speak, symbolically, and fellowship with God the Father in a special way. And, and he, what was lost at Eve and Adam's taking of the, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil was restored through Jesus, God's only Son. And so now we have this opportunity again, you and I, followers of Christ. And so what was this, the Bible says, yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus remains the same. So a little statement I want you to remember. Remember the fellowship and the feasting and going on in the orchard, all those Garden of Eden, all those years ago where they walked and talked in the cool of the day. I believe God wants to restore that, that the fellowship component of that. One day, Earl is actually walking and talking in the fire orchard of heaven right now, the kingdom of God. But first, a joke. It'll be a short one today. Pastor Craig, it was Pastor Craig's birthday yesterday. Give a shout out to Pastor Craig. Is he in the house? I don't know. He's probably eating cake somewhere. I don't know. Still. Pastor Craig was walking in the park and he sees this boy with a dog. And Pastor Craig, being so friendly, he goes up and he says, Does your dog bite, young man? And the boy says, No, my dog doesn't bite. Pastor Craig reaches out to pet the dog and the dog bites him right on the hand. And he, I thought you said your dog didn't bite. And the boy said, Yes, but it's not my dog. <laughs> All right, Craig, he's a. Lori Lynn's the smart one. Craig's, yeah, you know, a little bit. Today is exactly seven weeks, 49 days, 50 if you include last, the Easter Sunday, uh, since Jesus rose from the dead. If you were going back in the chronology of the time in 30 AD, this, it would be 50 days since Jesus rose from the dead. It seems like Easter was just around the corner, but it was actually 50 days ago. In Scripture, this day is referred to as the Feast of Harvest, or we know it better as the Feast of Pentecost, but it was one of the seven feasts of the Jewish nation outlined in Leviticus chapter 23. There's seven important feasts that the Jews always, holy days that the, that the Jews would always honor. Passover, Good Friday, uh, Feast of First Fruits, uh, Easter, and now we're in one of the third ones, 
the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of uh, Harvest. And holy days were moments of time where the Jewish nation would get together and honor God, glorify God. It would be a time of fellowship for all that God had done for Israel. That's what a feast is. Say, come to our feast. It's a celebration. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a party. It's a, it's a fellowship time. It's a time with God. And that's what these feasts were all about. But they also actually are an outline of God's redemptive plan. It's amazing the scripture. I've, I've, over the last number of years, just the nuances and, and the intricacies of scripture are all put together for us to understand. And these are actual, actual outline of God's redemptive plan and calendar events through, found it through the inspired word of God. It's, it's his eternal plan throughout the ages are seen in the word of God and in the feasts of Israel. What God gave to his followers on this very day, approximately in 30 AD, first century, 10 days after Jesus ascended in heaven, the Bible says that uh, he walked and talked among them for 40 days, and then he ascends. And that 10 days after his ascension, from the moment when he gave his last command. Now, do you, you would think that, and Jesus knew this, that his last command in the flesh would be an important command. You, you would think that. He knew this was it. He was, he was ascending to heaven. He would not be in the flesh again. Not like he was. You think that if it was your last day, what would you say to those around you that you loved and you cared about so much in your last day? Well, this is what his last command was. To wait for the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. In his last physical appearance, on earth before ascending into heaven, pivotal moment, Jesus says, wait for this gift. Now this day also serves our 2023 theme, wind and fire. This is where this wind and fire theme came from, probably August, September of last year when we were beginning to solidify it, when the Holy Spirit came at the Feast of Harvest, known as Pentecost, when the church this is also the day that the church of the living God was born. This is the beginning of what we now know as the bride of Christ taking root in planet Earth. Seven weeks earlier, Easter Sunday, the Jews were celebrating the first fruits. Again, special feast. And there was a wild story circulating from one of Jesus' followers named Mary about him rising from the dead. That's preposterous. Incredibly challenging. But that's what the rumor had. Making the rounds. Jesus himself, timing, I can't go into all the details, I wish I could, it's so spectacular, was a type of first fruit coming through the, the, the ground. He was born again. He was coming alive. It's like the sprouts poking through the earth the very after being planted. And that's what was happening. So he was the first fruit. He was the vine. We are the branches. So we're part of that orchard, that fire orchard, bearing fruit as well. Now, 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits, this next great holy day is being observed in the Jewish calendar. It's very important, the timing. Pentecost. It would begin a new season of harvest, wouldn't it? 
It would be, it, and the Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Pentecost is a, is, 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 a, is a special moment. And the church dispensation was moving into something different that the world had never seen before. It was 50, in 30 AD, 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead, the church of God arrived on the planet. It was a special day. A day of days not lesser than the Feast of Dedication. Christmas. It's our, our Christian calendar is so closely associated with the Jewish uh, uh, feasts. Christmas was Christ's birth. Feast of Dedication. Feast of Passover. I already mentioned it. Good Friday. Christ's death. It's when the lamb was sacrificed in the Feast of Passover. And the blood of the lamb was put on the, sprinkled on the doorpost of the death angel. Our lamb of God was slain from the foundations of the earth on that day. The feast of first fruits, Easter, Christ's resurrection. But somehow, I don't know how this happens, but the feast of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit gift, is somehow often forgotten among the evangelical churches. It just kind of slides in there. It's not really talked about a whole lot. And yet, I think it's just as important. I want you to know that what happens in the book of Acts is just as important as the Gospels that you follow, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What All those messages, all the life and teachings of Jesus, all of those miraculous moments, Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount, all of his things, all these great miracles that he does, you can see them being lived out by the disciples in the book of Acts. You would think that what you hold dear to your heart in the Gospels, which is centers in our Christian faith, should also apply to the book of Acts, where things are being lived out. And somehow, we, we, we get a little bit... What's the word I'm looking for? We get a little bit nervous, almost, by what goes on in the book of Acts. Because now, it's not Jesus doing the work, but it's his church doing the work. Powerful moments in the book of Acts. The God who walked with Adam and Eve in the fire orchard in Eden is the same God, yesterday, today, and forever, that walks with the church body, those following Christ, in the book of Acts. It's a walk in the Spirit. I think it's time to go back to Eden. Time to rediscover what fellowshipping with God looks like, what walking with God looks like. So I want to talk about that. God wouldn't have kept the book of Acts in the Bible if it was just a nice story or a history lesson for us to kind of connect with. It's much more than that. It's not just something to muse about. And and listen, no disrespect, please. I I know I'm online. No disrespect. But I don't understand. I really don't understand how some places, some churches can pick and choose what they believe about the book of Acts. I, no disrespect, I just don't understand it. Some believe that what happened on the day of Pentecost is not for us today. I don't see anywhere in the word of God where Jesus rescinds what happens on the day of Pentecost. He takes it back, oh, that's not for now. The devil has used the controversy of Pentecost outpouring to create much division among believers for years and years. Oh, it, it, it challenges us. So many of you may not come from Pentecostal backgrounds. And, and somehow the deceiver, the enemy, makes people fearful, holding them back from maybe experiencing something of the Spirit's power in their lives. Again, nothing to be afraid of. Walking with God in the Garden of Eden was not something to be afraid of. It was something to be embraced, something to be enjoyed. 
Other Christians throughout the ages have said that what occurred is even of the devil. It's beyond our understanding, but the whole Bible is beyond our understanding. If you take away the spirituality, the invisible realm stuff in the Bible, you have very little left. So let me read what the Bible says regarding Jesus' last command. This is his words. It says, on one occasion, while he was sitting with them, he gave them this command. A command. It wasn't a thought. It wasn't an idea. It was a command. He said this. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. He's been sharing about this throughout the gospel message. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The command of Jesus was to not leave Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere until you have received the gift the Father has promised. And Jesus said, wait for this gift. He was telling, that was his last command. Wait, don't go anywhere. Doesn't describe what the gift is. Doesn't share what it is. He says, wait for the gift. The gift is something that you are given. How many of you would, your father just told you, wait for the gift. Wait for a gift. You'd wait. Never mind the heavenly father. If he said, wait for this gift, wouldn't you think that it was worth something? I'd wait. They didn't know what it was. They had no idea. Jesus does, though, compare it to the Baptist, John the Baptist submerging people in water for repentance. And that's what we practice here. Again, uh, different backgrounds practice different ways. We practice full immersion. If you were to be baptized, you're going to see the, the, the hot tub here. We Right under the water. It's a symbol of his death and resurrection. Going down, coming back to new life. Fully submerged. So he's comparing the gift of the Holy Spirit coming in some type of submerging process. Jesus tells them in a few days, if they wait, they're going to be submerged, baptized like John in the Holy Spirit. Something different. Now, here's a big ask. I'm asking you to trust me here a little bit. Some of you don't know me at all. Trust is a big thing. Trust is not something easily given right now, is it? So many conspiracies, so many thoughts, so many different opinions and ideas. It's, we live in a very suspicious world. I'm asking you to trust me. After 25 years of leading, trying to do my best to lead this, this church body, I'm not now trying to lead anybody into anything weird or strange. I've never done that. Those that have been around for many years, you need to know that. But I am seriously wanting the wind and fire of the Holy Spirit to breathe in you, that divine puff of, of, of power in order to confront the challenges in the complicated world you live in. I'm not looking for you to have some kind of strange... I'm looking for you to equip you with everything I can in order for you to succeed and move forward, prospering and flourishing in the 21st century, just like they did in the first century. The one thing, I want you just to simply be open. Just be open to the gift of being submerged in the gift the Father has promised. Not trying to pressure you to do anything. Won't do that. I know I'm not the smartest guy around the world. I, I, I know that. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. But I do figure that if the early church, the first century church, needed power in order to go in all the world, then the last days church is going to need it as well. It's, it's just as tough now. If the, if the first century needed it, the last century 
of Jesus before returning needs it as well. The disciples believed that when Jesus was sharing this, that this was some kind of authority gift to vanquish Rome and to rid Israel and restore the Jewish kingdom that they'd lost. Remove the Romans. Get rid of them. They, this occupying power. But Jesus revealed a different plan to them. He says this. He goes on. Say chapter 1. He says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. A dunamis, a dynamite, an explosiveness. And you will be my witnesses. In the Greek, witnesses, martyr. Martyrs, martyr. That's where we get the word martyr from. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Jesus was initiating something bigger than what had ever been initiated before. Nothing that we would expect. It wasn't about vanquishing Rome. They were still having a hard time. Some of us think it's about political power and authority. It was ne it's never been about political power and authority. It was about sending them into a dangerous world. He was sending them into a dangerous world, a den of robbers, a, like sheep among the wolves. And you, he was sending them to be my witnesses. You're to be my witnesses, my martyrs. The potential is to be die. That takes, a, that takes something different than the natural. You are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a place of fear for them. That's where, that's where their leader had been just crucified 50 days earlier. That's a hard place to be a witness. Hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I know what happened to Jesus. He was, he was killed. Jerusalem, Judea was a place of rejection. It was hard. Every time they went into Judea, they were rejected. They, they, he, the message wasn't embraced. You need to go back to Judea and tell them about me. Samaria is a place of hatred, a place of prejudice. Samaritans hated the Jews. The Jews hated the Samaritans. Go to Samaria and be my witnesses. Into the outermost parts of the world, places of uncertainty. You need an authority and a power to do this. The church to go into these situations around, it, it's no less dangerous in the 21st century than it was in the first century. Maybe not for us right now, but around the globe, there's it's it's very challenging. Very challenging. To be witnesses today, you need some dunamis power to share Jesus. I mean, how many of us feel like we can just go and share Jesus now? We're a little bit nervous, apprehensive. Don't know what to do. But remember, yesterday, today, and forever, what he gave in the first century, he can give to us today. And it happened. 120 followers gathered together in an upper room seeking God in prayer. I mean, that's, there was 120. Uh, it says that in chapter 1. 120 were following. Went to upper room to pray because he said wait 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 he didn't know if it would come on day one day two day three they were just to wait how many of you like waiting i don't like waiting i'm a very impatient person but then it happened 10 days in listen to what happened acts chapter 2 when the day of pentecost came the feast of harvest they were all together in one place suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind our theme, wind and fire. Violent wind came from heaven. Just a massive tornado-like wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They seemed what to be like tongues of fire. Can you imagine? I don't know. I can't. Like sparks. 
spark. I don't know if you touch two things together, the spark started happening. Tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. That's where we get our theme this year, wind and fire. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 120 followers in the room that day were filled with, baptized in, depending on where you go, what your background is, submerged in Holy Spirit power. Thus fulfilling not only Jesus' last words on earth, his command to wait, but what John the Baptist declared three years earlier, he said something very similar. He said, he, John, the, or John the Baptist, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He said this at the beginning of his ministry. This was going to happen. And it was a mighty deafening roar that day. I, when you read through the, the book of Acts, you could kind of just read it. But to put yourself in the situation, that grew louder and louder and closer and closer. Something was happening. We have a train that's fairly close to our backyard. And you can hear it coming. You can hear the rumble on the tracks. I can't rumble like a train, but you've heard it. It rumbles. Noise. And it gets closer and closer. And then the horns start going off. That day in, the day, in that upper room, they rocked under the fury of the mighty wind blowing. Like a tornado wind. Something incredible began to happen on earth that had never happened on earth. What was it? No one knew what it was. Could it be the life of Christ that he spoke of coming and dwelling among men? The Holy Spirit, the Ruach of God, the Spirit is the divine puff. Ruach is, means spirit, wind. It's the wind. The third person of the Trinity that we uphold, we prayed for those, the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It was being revealed. The, the, the Holy Spirit hadn't really been a, 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 a big part of the Gospels in the Old Testament. It was kind of an unknown factor for a long time. But in this moment, he was announcing his arrival, making his appearance known. This is the third person of the Trinity coming. And what was he doing? He was beginning to submerge the 120 in the power of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of which Jesus spoke of was striking the earth. It was coming, and it was coming in power. The sound of wind from heaven entered the room on earth, but it was the presence of God and the feeling of his reality and the closeness that was of most importance. It always is. The most important thing of the Holy Spirit is the closeness and that brings you into his presence and the sense you get when you're there. The 120 sat in the Holy Spirit's very presence that day. As the wind was blowing and everything happening. God's divine authority coming among men. In that moment, when you're in the presence of God. Now imagine, you're in the, Earl, in the presence of God. He's rejoicing. He's praising God. It's full. It's, he's full of joy. It's exciting. It's an unthinkable and impossible thing to really grab hold of until you see him, until you know him. To be in his presence. The joy of the believers was so great it was beginning to rise to a crescendo praise. But there's more and more is still happening. Again, put yourself, it was an exciting moment. The church is being born. It's a laboring. It's an intensity. There's something happening in that moment. A kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy was beginning to overflow in a room where 120 were. You're here because that 120 went to that room. Church was born that day. Outside, 
All those that had gathered from many nations, the Bible says, because it was a feast. It was one of the main feasts. People came from all over. It was like a great commemoration, celebration. People had come from all over the world, the Jews from all over the world. And, and that room that day, the upper room, every eye was glued to it. Something was going on there. Until one man opens the door and runs out of the room. They would have thought him crazy. His face was aglow. He was praising God at the top of his voice. Hallelujah, Jesus is alive. And, and it's, what's this all about? Praise God. Hallelujah. It's like out of control. And it's like, oh, these guys, you know, it's like what happens when this is freaky. He began calling down to people in the streets, speaking in his native Galilean dialect. Praise God. Hallelujah. God's good. And, his, and then all of a sudden, to his amazement, he begins to speak in another language, proclaiming something about a Messiah being alive. About that time, another Galilean rushes out the door, and he was pouring out praises too, but it, this time his language, flawless Greek. Another one comes out, a wild man, just running up and down like Gary the other day outside, coming out of the grave. He was flailing away in an articulate Latin. Then another man in Egyptian, and another speaking Persian, Languages of all kinds were being shared. That's what the Bible says. You can read it for yourself. They were all, everybody there heard their God, them praising God in their own language. And all of them were announcing something about a Nazarene named Jesus. His death, his resurrection. And they were all saying that God made this Jesus both Lord and Christ. It's right there. That's what you're reading when you're reading Acts chapter 1 verse 2. And, well, chapter 1 then chapter 2. That's what you're reading about. It's so easy to just read the graphy, the black and white, and not get, understand what's going on. The people in the street were dumbfounded by what's happening. This is, this is so crazy. No one had heard anything like it before. A few of, there was always, there's always a few skeptics in the crowd, and it was just a little too much, all of this craziness, all this fanaticism, all this, this whatever it was called at that time. Somebody yells out, they're all drunk. <laughs> That's what it said. They're all drunk. What a relief for the crowd. Finally, something logical. They're all drunk. See, we, we, we want to embrace, we look for something, our carnal natures look for something just to legitimize what God is doing that goes beyond our understanding. Oh, they're drunk. I get it now. I get it. They're just, that's a logical explanation for strange things happening. They're just drunk. There's no there is no logic at some moments in time in God's kingdom. When entering the fire orchard of God, don't allow your logic to squelch God from moving closer into your life, the Holy Spirit closing. There are going to be moments of time that are undefinable, undistinguishable. There's not anything going to be compared to it. For 10 days after Jesus ascends into heaven. 120 followers sought God waiting for his promised gift. They didn't have holiday time. They, they didn't have sick time. They needed their job. They had, to get, they had to trust God. Everything was set aside to seek God. We all want revival. We want God to move in our lives. We want to know the legitimacy of his plan and purposes. We want him. We, God, but would you just do it very quickly for me? <laughs> Can you just do it in a minute? I don't have a lot of time. We need to seek first the kingdom of God. And then he's going to add all those things to us. Now, 
Let me connect you with our day. The biggest challenge that people have with the day of Pentecost. Maybe one of the biggest controversies in the entire Bible. In the church anyways. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. All right. We just crossed over. Remember, trust me. To be clear, to be clear on that day, nobody had any idea of what the gift of God looked like. No one. He just said, wait. When they entered that room, no one understood what that looked like. The gift of tongues was not something they were seeking. They had no idea what it was. So they couldn't seek that. They didn't know anything about tongues. This was something so new. They, what they were seeking was to be submerged in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Big difference than just seeking after tongues. They were seeking to be submerged. Like John the Baptist. It's not that they hadn't received the Holy Spirit, but it was about receiving more of the Holy Spirit into their lives. A cup cannot overflow if your hand is over it. You can pour and pour water over it, over it, more and more and more and more, but it's not going to get filled up to overflowing unless you be open. You have to open yourself up to the possibility that what God was doing in that room that day was something beyond what we understand. Jesus said to them in Luke, I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with the power on high. Do you think, are you walking around feeling like you've been clothed with power to face all the different struggles and situations that come your way? That's what the Holy Spirit could do. Not, I'm not talking about tongues, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure why anybody would, under, would resist it unless somehow people birth fear into it or play it down or think it's something to be afraid of. The gift of God given to Adam and Eve was his presence in the Garden of Eden. Yesterday, today, and forever, he wants us to walk with him, to speak with him, to be empowered by him. It's not something that you need to be afraid of. It's not something to be worried about. Scripture tells us, follow the way of love and eagerly desire Gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to the people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. You see, tongues is a connection with God. Not tongues, being filled with the Holy Spirit is that connection with God. You have something going on. It wasn't, it wasn't tongues. They were seeking the Holy Spirit. More of them. I want more of the Holy Spirit in these days. More, more. I, listen, I was... Filled, baptized, submerged in the Holy Spirit. In 1991, a couple weeks into my Christian walk, I'd never grown up in church, did not know anything about Jesus, had no clue. And when I was received my spiritual language at that time, I never took a course. I did not learn a new language. I never was seeking for any gift of tongues. I didn't even know what that was. But what I was seeking is so early, I want Jesus. I want Jesus so much. I just want to know if this, and listen, at that time, you give your life to the Lord. Hey, Jesus, come into my life and forgive me. It's, it's kind of like there's doubts there. Is it real? Is, it, is this genuine? Is it authentic? And you kind of, well, I, don't know. I sometimes think it's all right. And it's logic to my mind, but sometimes it's illogical. And, and so I, but the moment that I was filled with the Holy Spirit, things changed for me drastically. 
It wasn't about the tongues. It's never about the tongues. It never was. For the past 42 years, I've been using the gift of tongues in my life. I don't brag about it. I don't boast it. It's not a, it's not a badge of honor. It's not something you go around and, and you know, walk in and boast in. If that's the case, that's the very opposite of what God wants. And I continue to ask the Holy Spirit often to baptize me, to fill me, to submerge me more and more in the Holy Spirit. God did not give the gift of tongues to be glorified or sought after. He said, seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what I bring to you. Seek to be filled open for a wind and fire. Not of, not of any special... I, I, Listen, you don't have to do this, but I'm trying to do what I'm called to do as a pastor, to equip you with everything possible so that you might move forward in this crazy life, in this crazy generation. I'm not asking to seek tongues, but I am asking you to seek the same gift that Jesus promised his disciples. Would you consider doing that? Would you consider seeking Asking God for the Holy Spirit to be fill you. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? Same way you receive everything, prayer. You pray. Just like you receive the forgiveness of sin when you ask Jesus to come into your life. Like everything in the Christian life, it always begins with prayer. And we know prayer can move mountains, according to the Word of God. One catch again. You have to be. You don't have to be afraid of anything God wants to do in your life. You do not have to be afraid of it. You just have to be open and relax, rest. It's a gift. Just ask him to fill you. Not for any special outcome. Not, you, know, you don't have to be worried about things. And people, stop with the pressure. I had no pressure. The man that prayed for me just, just explained it. It's a gift from the Father. He gives good gifts to his children. And don't worry about the timing. It doesn't have to happen in a, in a second. We've made it so complicated sometimes. The 120 spent 10 days waiting for it. So don't get worried if when you ask for the first time, it just doesn't like, boom. Oh. No. Keep praying. Keep seeking. Never stop. Don't stop. Don't ever stop. Never be stopped. Even if you speak in another spiritual language, don't stop asking God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. There's more of Him, always more. There's always more of God. And you will know when you receive. Because the unknown language will be uttered from your mouth. God will enable it, not you. Oh, there's so much I need to say and can say. I mean, it's a huge topic. You understand this is, I get 20 minutes to tell you this incredible happening. Bible's filled with moments of time where all through this, the, this tongue, the most unruly uh, organ in the entire body, the, James says, the most unruly, God takes control of. It's just like Jesus. And there's other gifts too. So it's the Holy, do you understand? It's not the gift that you're looking for. You're looking for for the gift of the Holy Spirit to empower us. And boy, do we need that in today's world. It's dangerous out there. You're being challenged at every moment in time. Your ideas, your thoughts, 
your theology, your, 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 your sense of rightness and wrongness. People are speaking things about you, against you. Okay. It's a dangerous world. But I, we have the dunamis power of God available to overcome, to be victorious in all things. This is not just theology or doctrine. Or, it's about overcoming in Jesus. It's about being in his presence. I love that. I want to be in his presence. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you're moving among us. I pray that we're open. I pray that we're open, open, Jesus, for you to do whatever it is that you want in our lives. We're not afraid of you, Lord. You're a good and loving God, a kind God. And we will trust you with the outcomes. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody would say? Everybody would say? Hallelujah. God has some good things in store. You're listening to Maple View Community Church Podcast. 